NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. NTT IndyCar Series driver Connor Daly competed in his first ever NASCAR Cup Series race on Sunday, October 9, at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. The Roval is part oval, part road course, which incorporates much of the 1.5-mile Charlotte Motor Speedway Oval with an infield road course. Daly, who competes for Ed Carpenter Racing, started 39th and finished 35th in the number 50 Bitnile Chevrolet. He competed for former boxing champion Floyd Mayweather's The Money Team in the Bank of America Roval 400. Prior to Daly's NASCAR Cup Series debut, Daly's stock car career consisted of two NASCAR Camping World Series starts, one in 2020, an 18th place finish at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and one in 2021, a 40th place finish also at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. In 2018, Daly drove a Roush Fenway Racing Ford to a 31st place finish in a NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Road America at Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Daly has competed in 97 NTT IndyCar Series races in his career and finished 17th in the 2022 championship standings, driving a full season for Ed Carpenter Racing. We have two interviews with Daly on today's Pit Pass Indy. The first interview was Sunday morning before the start of the Bank of America Roval 400. Later in the show is another interview with Daly on Monday as he reflects on the wild action of the NASCAR race and details the dramatic differences between IndyCar and NASCAR events. Here is my exclusive interview with Daly before the Bank of America Roval 400 at Charlotte Motor Speedway for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now in Pit Pass Indy is IndyCar driver Connor Daly, except today you're now a NASCAR Cup Series driver. You're going to compete later today, which is Sunday. The show, uh, the race will have already been over by the time the uh, podcast airs. You're competing in the Bank of America Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway, your first Cup Series race. How excited are you, and how did the whole deal come together? I mean, I'm super excited. It's it's something that, um, you know, I've always wanted to do. I think as a race fan, you know, you have to, like, I watch everything. So, uh, you know, I had all the NASCAR diecast growing up. It's a pretty surreal feeling um, getting to, to do this. Um, and, yeah, I, I just can't wait. Obviously, the weekend didn't start ideal. Um, you know, we're, you know, we had a bit of a bit of a mechanical issue yesterday, which which caused us really only to get five laps. So um, I'm, I'm going to be using a lot of this race to learn, uh, if not the entire thing to learn. 
Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens, but, um, you know, it all, it all started through, you know, through our, our main IndyCar partner, uh, BitNile and Todd Alt, uh, all of his, his companies, you know, we, they got together and there's business to be done in the NASCAR world. And obviously they want to, you know, they want to strengthen their business as, as much as possible. And so that's why we're here. So dipping our toe in the water to, to see what it's all about. And um, we just love racing, and Todd loves racing, so here we are. Although this is your first Cup Series race, you've driven several times in the Xfinity Series. So what are you expecting in terms of a road course, street course, roval race? It's kind of part road course, part oval in a stock car. Well, I think this car certainly feels more like a GT car now. I mean, I, I've, I've driven a lot of GT cars in my life. You know, the Super Trofeo Series, uh, a couple BMW M4 GT4 races, um, uh, even two Rolex 24. So, like, I, I've driven big, heavy cars before. Um, and But it is it is a, you know, it's loud. It's got a lot of power. Um, and it's a fun car to drive. So, uh, you know, I... I <laughs> I don't know how fun yet because I haven't done enough laps, but um, yeah, it's just something to get used to. You know, the the, the dimensions of it are also quite large. Uh, it's a wide car. It's a long car. It's a big machine. So uh, that'll be different as well. And also acceleration points and braking points are probably a little bit different. It's a heavier car. Uh, so you got to start braking a lot sooner than you probably would in a GT car or the Indy car. And how much does that take to adjust to when you're used to doing it a certain way? You know, it's an interesting question because I, I, I actually don't, um, it doesn't take a ton of time. It's just fine tuning it. So you can easily get within a hundred meters of the break point, you know, or 50 meters of the break point, but that last 50 is really tough. So it's figuring out how much speed you can carry with also a late break point. Um, and it's also, you know, doing that with other people around you as well. You know, a lot of these people I've never raced with before in my life. So, um, you know, that'll be, uh, that'll be a new thing, new challenge, and uh, I'm excited for it. You haven't raced against them, but they certainly know who you are and you know who <laughs> they are. You watch them every Sunday probably uh, during the IndyCar offseason and the Absolutely. off weekends. Uh, who are some of the drivers in the field, though, that you've had uh, past relationships with? I would think Kyle Larson and, and guys like that. Well, I mean, I've known Kyle for a long time, but I don't, I don't really interact with him a ton. But like Chase Briscoe is a guy who I interact with all the time. I talk to Chase Briscoe almost every day. Um, and A.J. Elmendinger is a very, very close friend of mine. I talk to A.J. all the time. Um, and so, you know, those two guys are, are really close friends. Corey LaJoy, really good friend of mine. Um, there's a lot of people in this paddock that, you know, I, I wish I could see more because we were obviously, you know, in two completely separate schedules and uh, we're always on the road. So um, definitely talk to those guys a lot. And uh, I, I've, I've got a, you know, incredible respect for Tyler Reddick as well. Met, talked to Tyler Reddick at the NDGP this year a little bit. Uh, and he said we were crazy for doing what we do in IndyCar. So uh, I respect that. Um, but yeah, a lot of good drivers here. A lot of, a lot of people that I, you know, try to keep up with and get some advice from. Plus, it seems that it's a younger group of drivers that are coming up. Uh, I saw a statistic the other day that since Jimmy Johnson retired just two years ago, eight drivers in the Cup Series have won their first race. So we yeah. really are seeing a change in generation here. And how interesting is that from your standpoint to see that happening? Well, it's always going to happen at some point, right? We got a lot of young drivers in IndyCar too right now. Um, and, and there will continue to be more young drivers. Uh, we're also going to go through an era where I think some more of the IndyCar guys are going to retire too, right? So um, there's always going to be a changing of the guard. Um, but I, I think in the Cup Series, there's obviously, you know, almost double the drivers that we have or a little bit more. So uh, you see a bit more of that uh, changeover and it's kind of cool. It's exciting. Now, when you go charge it in the turn one at, say, Long Beach or Toronto, it's going to be really tight because the IndyCars have wings on them and you don't want to break those off because then your day could be done. 
in here you got twice the number of cars and sometimes you kind of have to lean on another car yeah. in order to make it into the turn and just how much of dramatically different drive style is that uh, it's different but these cars are tough so you know a lot of people lean on a lot of other folks so it seems to be something that can be done quite easily more so this year than i think before um but uh you know that's that's just something that i've got to learn and i think what'll be really interesting is you know how does the aero platform change when you're in dirty air uh sometimes people think that everyone can just follow closely in these cup cars, but there's a lot of aerodynamics that they use as well. So curious to see what the dirty air does. And again, learning more every lap. Then again, in some of the street races in IndyCar, you kind of lean on each other there too. Yeah. There's been a lot more contact in IndyCar these days. Yeah. Speaking of IndyCar, you don't get a lot of testing time during the off season. What is your schedule right now at Ed Carpenter Racing as far as doing anything between now and the end of the season? I mean, honestly, we I have I have no idea what we're doing. I haven't heard of any test days until you know probably the new year, um, because we just don't have any. Um, so so we'll see what happens. I, we have a lot of work to do to do development wise uh, in the off season. So the team's hard at work at that. You know, trying to hire some people. Uh, it's all about hiring. You know, getting getting the right folks in. Um, you know, because some people leave, some people retire, some people want to you know do different things, and and we want to you know we want to be able to attract uh, you know some really you know, some more and more good people. So uh, we got a lot of that to do. Ed's got a lot on his table. He keeps saying he's very, very busy, which is very true. Um, but for me, I'm just waiting to drive the car again. We'll do some simulator time for sure. But uh, other than that, it's just kind of calm. The General Motors simulator is right here in Huntersville, not too far from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Are you going to spend any time in that while you're here? Uh, not while I'm here. No, I was I was on it last week uh, with the IndyCar stuff. So uh, we have, I think, another two days before the end of the year, two or three days, maybe more. Um, but yeah, not while I'm here because uh, this is the focus. <laughs> Speaking of focus, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the first time in your career that you don't have to worry about a full-time ride mm. for next season. You're yes. already under contract with Ed Carpenter Racing, full season once again. Yes. It's just... Do you feel like you finally have arrived at what you've really wanted? Yeah, for sure. It's just, you know, you already start working on what's next, right? So it's, it's I, I, by January, I want to know what 2024 looks like. So I'm getting greedy for sure. Um, but it's, it's nice to have, you know, we're just focused on, 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 on being better next year. Uh, we got a lot of improvements to make and I think we can. And we obviously know that we're strong at several different places as well. So we want to keep, keep that strength going and, uh, and help the rest of the tracks too. Kyle Busch has said he wants to run the Indianapolis 500. We asked Zach Brown that uh, earlier in the week on a Zoom call that we had. He said he wants to put an experienced driver in the extra entry at Indy. Would you expect Ed and Kyle to maybe talk about a possibility of doing that? Or do you think Ed's focus is just on the three cars he's already got? I mean, honestly, I don't see how we do it with people and cars. I, I, just don't, I, don't, I don't think it's physically possible unless it was a you know, a huge influx of cash, um, that, that helps the team. It's just, it, it's all about getting the right people together. Cause if you, if you put Kyle Busch out there, you want to make sure he has a shot to win, right? Cause it's, it's Kyle Busch. So, um, that I think is the hardest part right now. It's just got to be the, the right situation, the right time. And I know for a fact, Ed would never want to de-strengthen the three cars that we have for Indy already. Jeff Gordon and Rick Hendrick also gave Kyle Larson permission. If he wants to run the Indy 500 next year, he can, but there's not very many Chevy teams that really have spots. So what's your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously it'd be huge if Kyle Larson mm. ran the 500, but 
it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, I mean, again, it's equipment and people, and then who's got the entry. So uh, we'll see what happens. But again, bring them all on. I would love to see all those guys, you know, in the 500. I'd love to see Kyle. And I think Kyle would be really, really good. I think Kyle Bush would be really, really good. Um, so it, it's, it's it's an exciting thing to think about, um, and I, I do think will happen. Just don't know when. And how would you describe this race course? Austin Sendrick said it's really an oval with an asterisk. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's a cool track, honestly. I like it. It's 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 been well done. It's well manicured. Um, you know, it feels like a smaller Rolex 24 track, honestly. Like, I like the Rolex 24, and this is basically like, it feels like half the size. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it's, a, it's a great track. Um, I'm very curious to see how it races. Obviously, I don't have that experience yet, but uh, we'll see what happens. Now, A.J. Allmendinger said it reminds him more of a street course. Yeah, I mean, there's close walls for sure. You know, one and two and three, you know, that's close. Uh, you know, you don't have a ton of runoff in certain places. So, yeah, there's a bit of that street course feel to it for sure. So, speaking of excitement level, what is your excitement level as you're just a few hours away from the start of the race? I mean, I'm ready to go, man. Ready to go racing. Uh, there's not much else I can stuff in my brain other than just go out there and do it. So, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, Connor Daly, good luck later today. We'll thank be you. in touch tomorrow to catch up with you on how the race went. Good luck, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass. No Indy. problem. Thanks, man. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. And now let's hear from Daly the day after he made his NASCAR Cup Series debut in another exclusive interview from Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now for the second time on today's Pit Pass Indy is... Connor Daly, who drove in his first NASCAR Cup Series race in Sunday's Bank of America Roble 400 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 
Connor, it was a very interesting race from your point of view. You started 39th, was able to get a 34th place finish, but it was a wild ride in between. I know that you had some electrical problems that caused a little bit of a fire in the car at one point. How would you describe the way that first race went for you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there there are multiple different stages in those races, but also multiple different stages in my race as well. Um, you know, we had a uh, fairly clean first stage, and then right out the gate in the second stage, uh, we had a left front tire um, come apart. Uh, and that, I think that was really due to debris uh, that we got offline. Uh, I had to get around J.J. Yaley uh, after he uh, kind of made a mistake in the back chicane. And um, offline later in the race, I noticed there was a lot of stuff that was off offline there that probably contributed to it. Um, and yeah, so that delaminated and, and, it, and it peeled some of the bodywork off of the hood as well, which is a shame. Um, and then, yeah, I just tried to kind of refocus from there. Uh, got through that next stage, was in a decent spot again, but then, you know, started to make, make our way forward again. And the same issue with the tire, uh, another left front tire, uh, exploded on us, which I think that, that was more from my mistake of a, of a big left front lockup. Um, but, uh, not again. Didn't expect that to be as big of a problem of the lockups. You know, I was going to the rear bias the entire race, uh, an absurd amount in my, in my opinion, um, just trying to get rear brake to it. Um, and yeah, so bit of a shame there, but again, totally new experience for me. I had never locked the tire at a NASCAR cup cup four. So I don't know what the effect is on that. Um, and then, yeah, obviously once the electrical fire happened, that kind of put us back too far because, uh, you know, there were no yellows. So, tough situation overall but again we, we finished the race got all the way to the end um and got about as much experience as we could and you know we were actually running quite quick at times when we were able to get out there and run consistently somebody described a nascar stock car uh once as doesn't want to accelerate when you hit the throttle it doesn't want to stop when you hit the brakes and oftentimes it doesn't want to turn when you turn the steering wheel other than that, it's a race car. So did you find that to be a little bit of a, a challenge in some ways? I know that you've done a lot of IMSA sports car racing and said some of the cars are similar to the stock car. But in a lot of ways, you're used to a car that pretty much does what you expect it to do in an Indy car. How drastically different was it for you to go an entire race in the stock car with it being so different from what you're used to in Indy car? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting for sure. It's it's something that uh, was was very challenging at first. That first stage, you know, we we hadn't done any runs at all, so you know, uh, the tires were you know overheating a little bit quickly. We we had we didn't have a chance to really dial in the pressures. Um, but once we got into that second stage, I started feeling a lot more comfortable. Um, felt a lot better about what we had going on. Um, and yeah, I just had to take it one lap at a time. I mean, that, that was literally, you know, the, the mantra of the race just one lap at a time, keep pushing. Um, and we got better, you know, Tony made the car better as well. We, I think the car got faster and our fastest lap, I think was lap 90. Um, so, you know, we definitely, uh, you know, we're pushing all the way towards the end, had some good clean running, some good stints. Um, but yeah, the car is big car is wide. That's the biggest thing I think is how wide it is. The dimensions of it are quite bulky. Um, and, uh, it was definitely a different experience. Were you surprised the first 104 laps of that race went without a caution for any on-track incident? The only time the race had the caution up to that point was for the end of each stage break. Yeah, I was blown away. Honestly, I, 
everyone had always explained to me, and I'd always seen NASCAR races full of yellow flags. You know what I mean? So I, 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 you know, not necessarily an abnormal amount, but I was just a little bit, I guess, surprised, but also maybe people are driving slightly more conservatively with the, you know, with the recent, you know, head injuries that people seem to be getting uh, in, in this cup car. So definitely a, a bit of a surprise, but at the end, it was like I was driving in a completely different series. Uh, you know, there was a lot of craziness, cars spinning all over the place. Um, that was the NASCAR I, I, I've definitely watched for many, many years. What was the most fun part of the race for you, and who gave you the most fun aspect of racing against? Um, honestly, there was a stint in the middle where I was behind Truex and Chase Briscoe and watching them go at it together and then having Keselowski behind me. Uh, and it was Keselowski on the 24. So, you know, pretty competitive guys. Uh, and we were right there. You know, it, it was it was a stint where, um, you know, I, I I actually thought about passing Truex, but again, didn't, didn't want to mess up with anyone. I don't know if I was that good enough to pass him, but... Um, but it was just good to be able to learn from those guys and see kind of where their experience was, was helping them. Uh, it seemed like a lot of, I actually learned a lot from that stint because, you know, my spotters were letting them know where they were gaining on me. And a lot of it was just the ability to roll the speed and, and, and control the brake zones. Um, and so that was, that was a good stint. Uh, and also being behind Almendinger at one point as well, I learned a lot from him. AJ had been helping me a lot. Uh, and just kind of be, being able to stay right behind him for several laps before we had the fire was, you know, was really, really helpful. Several of the top drivers in the series all had toe link issues from maybe kissing the concrete barrier in one of the turns. Kyle Larson was one. I believe Ross Chastain was another. At any point in order to drive your car fast, did you pretty much have to brush up against that barrier? Um, I mean, I, I didn't have any problems with that, but also I, uh, I, I don't know how how close I needed to be, really. Um, so you know, maybe maybe it was just something that I, I I kind of had a little bit of conservativeness, I guess. But also, when I was going faster, yeah, you got to you got to get real close to that barrier. You got to get real close to those walls. You got to flirt with it because every inch matters with these giant cars. And so, yeah, I, I understand why people were making mistakes, especially with so many long green runs. You're trying to make up as much time as possible and clean track, and that'll happen. Now, you finished ahead of Kyle Larson because he had a rear toe link issue. He's not going to be able to advance into the round of eight. And Daniel Suarez had his power steering assist uh, fail on him early in the race, had to finish that race without any power steering whatsoever, basically wore his arms out. If you'd gone into the race and somebody had told you you're going to finish ahead of Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez, and Ross Chastain, and sports car ace Joey Hand and Formula One driver Danny Kvyat, would you have said, hey, I'll take it? Well, I mean, honestly, we all know those are just because of issues that they had. So there's no, you know, there's no real justification to, to get from that. But I yeah. mean, it's just, you know, it, it's any, any day, any day things can happen and you know, my, my favorite part was just actually racing against some of the guys that we were racing against and, you know, having, having a chance to race, you know, closely with Mike Rockefeller, who I think is a very, very accomplished sports car racer. And he's done more, more cup races than I have. Um, and, you know, going up against him and, and having a chance to pass him, you know, on track was, was, was a fun experience for me. And then I, I think, again, looking at the results is something that I, I don't do in this, in this case. 
Um, but knowing where we were on the track and knowing who we were racing with and knowing the lap times we were doing at one point, that's more what I'm proud of for sure. And also how happy were you to have your buddy, Alexander Rossi, uh, come down uh, with you for the weekend, sit on your timing stand and kind of cheer you on. Yeah. I mean, that was a surprise. Honestly, I, I knew a lot of my friends or several of my friends were trying to get on, get on a plane to come down, uh, to Charlotte and they did. And then they, uh, brought Alex with them. So um, that was, uh, that was really cool for sure. Great to have the family, my girlfriend, my friends there. Um, you know, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And in those last couple of restarts that determined the race and determined the uh, round of eight in many ways, pretty wild going into turn one, a couple of big time multi-car, uh, pileups, uh, heading into those closing laps. Did you have a good view of any of those? Yeah. I mean, it was fascinating. My, my sponsors and everyone were kind of telling me the whole or my, not my sponsors, my spotters uh, were telling me to kind of hold back because they knew everyone was were going to crash. And we did hold back, but I was like, look, I kind of want a good view of this too because it's my first cup race. So we definitely saw a lot of it. Um, it was crazy to see how much chaos was happening, um, but cool to be a part of it also. So definitely something uh, new to witness. And, and honestly, a very, very different scene compared to the two restarts previously in the previous stages. And also, how would you compare the differences in atmosphere between what you go through in IndyCar to a NASCAR weekend at a NASCAR track as famous as Charlotte Motor Speedway? I mean, if I'm completely honest, it's impressive what they put on. The massiveness, even if that's a word, of of the weekend is impressive. Uh, You know, the people that were there camping from Friday to Sunday, end of day, I mean, it's impressive. It truly is a a large event. I would like to see, you know, we obviously have a lot of great massive events, but there was something about that weekend that I just was like, man, I, I really hope IndyCar can get back to this level. And it was pretty cool to be a part of. So hopefully, you know, we can, uh, you know, do more alongside with NASCAR. I think that would be great. But yeah, pretty big weekend to be a part of. And do you want to try it again? Absolutely. I mean, I wish the race could restart tomorrow. Uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot that I learned, uh, and I know exactly where I would, you know, start to correct things, uh, you know, going forward. So, yeah, I would love to give it another shot. Well, Connor, uh, thank you for not only being on the show once uh, this episode, but twice. Good luck during your off season, and good luck next season with Ed Carpenter Racing. I'm sure we'll chat again between now and uh, the time spring training comes along. Oh, by the way, they did announce today that your preseason test is going to be February 2nd and 3rd at Thermal uh, Raceway out in the California desert. What do you think of that? Well, I've, I've been there actually before, and um, I have raced a Lamborghini Super Trofeo car there. Uh, and, I mean, honestly, it's a little surprising because I don't think that it, it's, it's tough because it's not really relevant for us. But maybe it's a good business arena. Maybe it's something where we can race there in the future. I don't know. Um, but, uh, a great track, beautiful place. Obviously, you know, everyone loves California, Southern California or Palm Springs, California, which is away from the city. So who knows, you know, I, I have faith in what IndyCar wants us to do. And if Roger thinks that's a good place for us to be, then I'm, I'm happy to be there. All right. Well, once again, good luck during the off season and, uh, we'll be in touch again later in the year. And thank you for joining us on pit pass Indy. No problem. Thank you. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, IndyCar driver Connor Daly of Ed Carpenter Racing, 
for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.